0: the street, uh, just, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six houses down, on the other side, a telephone pole came down uh, about 2.30 this morning, and uh, it knocked out all the power in the neighborhood. And and, uh, the initial uh, response we received from National Grid was that it will be on at 9 o'clock. That was estimated come on, come back time. But we decided to cancel the 9 o'clock service because of that. And, uh, well, we wanted to continue to 10.45, but then we found out that the estimated turn-on time is going to be 2 o'clock. So instead of canceling this service, we figured, okay, we'll put up the generator up front and get it, uh, get some power in the building. Uh, there's no power for these lights, with the generator. But Of course, these and those work. Nothing downstairs. There's one light downstairs. Uh, and no AC today. Uh, no PowerPoint or anything else. So James came in with the portable PA and we got Dan set up the generator and uh, here
1: we are having church. So it's all good.
0: It's all good. I, I, like I said, my message this morning is entitled Glorious Light. Oh, I don't have the power you
1: know, on the Just realize that. Well,
0: I'll have to be more articulate. Today. But anyway, I woke up and there was no power. I said, Lord, there's no light. I kept in a glorious light. <laughs> there's no light, but there's the glorious light of the Lord. And uh, the glorious light is definitely with us today. And little Silas is doing better, I think. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, take your Bible, please. Uh, we're in 1 John chapter 1. If you missed the last couple of weeks or so, we're going to, our, our plan is to go through 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John over the next several Sundays. This may take us to the end of the year, for all I know, but um, we went through verses 1-4. through 4. I want to thank uh, Reverend Bill Unger for the message last week. Thank you for that, Pastor Bill. Uh, but today we're, we're continuing in 1st John, we're in verses 5-7. So let me read verses 5-7 through and we'll pray. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Father God, thank You, Lord, so much for Your Word today on the topic of Your glorious light. And we welcome that glorious light of Jesus here today to enlighten our hearts and our mind and our spirit and our bodies. We pray, Lord, that we would just have a have a greater appreciation for You and, and and your light and the hope that you bring to the world and of course the light and the hope that is within the body of Christ Lord bless this sermon, help me to preach it well let me preach well today Lord for your glory and let the body of Christ learn something from it and, and be able to apply it so that we'll be better equipped for this battle and Lord if there's any unsaved person, un, uh, un pre-Christian person that hears this message let your Holy Spirit bring conviction and direction to turn to you for salvation. So we thank you, we praise you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. So verses 1 through 4, uh, if you remember from the last couple of weeks, uh, John was, was declaring to the people what he heard, what we saw, what he gazed upon, what he handled. He was declaring to them, Jesus. And his objective is found in verses, uh, verse number four, that well, three and four, that they would have fellowship together, and then ultimately fellowship with the Father and the Son Jesus, and that in that arrangement of fellowship with one another and with the Father and the Son, we would have joy. Our joy would be full. I wonder if that those two messages that we preached uh, about that subject, if anyone was aware of the joy in your life, not that your life has been perfect or problem-free, but underneath all that, have you been able to experience the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord truly is our strength and our hope. And so joy is a characteristic of the Christian faith. That's why we sing. That's why we praise. That's why our brother Santos said uh, many years ago, that the Christian faith has somebody and something to sing about and someone to sing to. The other faiths of the world don't really have that dynamic, but we have a living person that we sing praises to. And so we have the joy of the Lord because no matter what's going on, Jesus is with us Amen. on the mountaintop or in the valley. Praise God. So anyway, verses five through seven, uh, the next little section we're going to look at is really a glorious picture ...of God and His church functioning as it should. fellowshipping with one another, fellowshipping with Jesus, and and notice verse number 7 and verse number 4 kind of go together. In that arrangement of good fellowship with one another, good fellowship with the Lord, we have joy. And in verse number 7, the blood of Jesus is real, and the reality of what we're doing is upon us. And we recognize that by God's grace we've been forgiven... And we've been made into a new creation through the the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's just get to the point. The point, what John is saying is, if we want joy, if we want some peace of mind, if we want some awareness that we're okay with God, we have got to stay focused on Jesus. No church can function if they lose focus on who Jesus is or what He did. If any church, any fellowship gets too involved with social issues, political issues, whatever, and loses sight of who Jesus is and what the Word of God really says, that church will no longer experience the joy of the Lord or the fellowshipping of the saints and the fellowship of the Father. And have an awareness that the blood of Jesus is on us and has cleansed us. I don't know about you, but one thing I really, uh really uh appreciate about being a Christian is knowing that my sins are forgiven. And then verse number 7, in that context, the blood of Jesus is upon us. Can I tell you, that doesn't just happen one time. It happens continually. Because we're always involved with something, either what we do or what we say or what we think. There's always some reason to be under the blood of Jesus. And so what John is saying, he paints a a glorious picture of the, the glory of God infiltrating our hearts. So the theme of light and dark is prevalent in most stories, most books, most movies, most songs, most plays, even opera. Uh, there's there's stories of light and dark, good and bad, uh, good versus bad. And there's a battle for the heart and soul that will be claimed by either the light or the dark. And that's the backdrop of many classic novels and movies, etc. And we're in our own battle. But the good news that, that John says, and the good news that we proclaim in, in the epistle, in the gospel, is that God is light. In His divine providence, He's made provision for anyone that desires to have relationship with Him, in spite of our own darkness of soul and spirit, to have fellowship with Him. <laughs> Because His light has overcome our darkness.
1: Amen.
0: And for that, I want to shout and say, thank you Jesus. Amen. Because I, I know how dark I can be. I know how I came from and everyone has their story. Amen. But see the, the glory, like, remember in, in the story of Jesus' birth when the angels came to announce to the shepherds, you know, there's born unto you this day, but it says, the glory of the Lord shone all around them. The glory of God. Those angels were totally, they were, they were lit up from being in the presence of God. And they brought that glory to earth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men of goodwill. And I, so, so the light has become, uh, the, the, this glorious light has, has, has transfixed the world. Can you imagine what the world would be like if Jesus never came. Think about it. I'm, I'm talking grandiose picture here. But what would what would the world be like if Jesus didn't come? He's the centerpiece of all of history. There's before and there's after. And when Jesus came, He transformed the world. And is still transforming the world. A couple of scriptures come to my mind. Uh, one is John 8. In verse 12, Jesus said, He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. His light overtakes our darkness. And now Jesus says that you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You see how the Lord uh, takes us into relationship with them. And he shares his light with us that we can make a difference. Oh man. And don't, we should make a difference. But if you can remember what your life was like before Jesus and realize what your life is like with Jesus, there should be a marked difference in attitude, lifestyle, and everything else. And John 3, 19 and 21, just to paraphrase, John says in the next passage, he says, this is the problem. This is the, this is the condemnation. Uh, this is the conflict that, that the world has. Because light has come into the world, but people love the darkness more than they love the light. Because their deeds were evil. Listen to the logic. They didn't want to come to the light because they would expose their evil deeds. And they were ashamed and they were, they felt bad about what they did, so they were afraid to come to the light because they would be exposed. But those that come to the truth and come to the light, their deeds are exposed before God and they're cleansed and they're forgiven. And it's hallelujah time. So, light exposes sin. Most of us can easily identify with that. Once we were blind, but now we see. Once we were lost, now we're found. Once we were in darkness, but now we're in light. Once we were without Christ, now we're in Christ. And so John begins this section, verses 5-7, through seven. and we're going to go through each verse before we have some application of what he's saying, but in verse number 5, if you just look at it, um, this message, he says, this message which we have heard from him, this message that we heard from Jesus, we heard Jesus with our own ears, we saw his mouth, move, we, we heard what he said. And with this message is what we declare to you. I love the first hand accounts of these things. Paul said the same thing a couple of times. He said, that which I have received from God, that was, was given to me, I declare it to you. And so John says in verse 5, I declare to you what I, what I received, what I heard, what I saw, what I gazed upon, what I handled. So that, verse 4, you would have joy, but so that in verse 7, you would be covered by the blood of Jesus and cleansed from your sin. And can I just say, that's the bottom line of what we're all about, by the way. We can't get away from that. We have a sin problem. That's what we, that's the whole problem. We have a sin problem. But when we're in fellowship with the light, the sin is covered, the blood of Jesus is realized. And we have fellowship with God and with one another. That's the beauty of a Christian church. So John declares in verse 5, God is light. And and there's much scriptural support for this concept. 1 Timothy 6.16 It says, God dwells in unapproachable light. You ever read these accounts of people that have near-death experiences? More often than not, they go through a tunnel and they get to the end and all they see is light. It's like a glimpse of God. It's just just, uh, just glorious light. James 1.7 says that God is the Father of lights and every good gift comes from Him. John 8.12 says, I am Jesus and I am the light of the world. John 1 says, Jesus is the light of men. He's the true light. He's the giver of light to all. Old Testament scriptures abound in this concept. Psalm twenty-seven, verse one The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Someone take that home with you today. Psalm twenty seven The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Proverbs eight four eighteen says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until that day. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so God is light. God is light. The world is enlightened because Jesus came and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. There's no darkness in Him. I'm still in verse number 5. There's no darkness in Him. There's nothing opposite of light in God. There's no secrets, no hidden agenda, no lurking in the shadows. There's nothing bad, nothing evil, nothing deceitful in God. He's pure. He's good. He's holy. He's wholesome. He's sinless. He's perfect. He's free of sin. There's no stain of sin upon Him. He's unbroken, unfazed. He's complete. He's unafraid of darkness. He's unafraid of evil. He triumphs over evil. God is light. He's pure. Now most of us... Although we've been forgiven and cleansed of our sins, most of us have a history, and we deal with the remembrances of what we did before, maybe there's been some consequences, you know, there's consequences of our sin, even though we're forgiven and cleansed. We may have moments of, of just being, feeling guilty still, or feeling condemned still a little bit, even though we know we're washed and we're cleansed, but the after effects are lingering in us because we know what we did, what we were. God has none of that on him. He's pure. He's totally sinless. So when we say God is light, we're saying he has no hidden secrets. There's no darkness, no history of a sinful past. He's pure and he's holy. And, and the, the amazing thing is he calls us into that light so that our darkness could be swallowed up in his light. And this is the message. This is what John says in verse 5. This is the message which we've heard from Jesus. And he declared to you that God is light. He's perfect. So verse 5 really describes God. It, it says there's no darkness in Him at all. I like how he says at all. Someone would say, isn't there a little bit of darkness in Him? No, there's no darkness at all. He's pure light. He's pure hope. He's pure, he's pure love. I, I just love the description. So, that's why sometimes, when we come into a, the presence of a holy righteous God, we cry. We shake. We we, we react. We, we may fall down. We, we may, you know, something may happen to us physically. We may respond in such a way, I, I, I can't stand. I stand, can't stand in front of God. And I didn't mean to get into being slain in the Holy Spirit, but Sometimes that happened someone falls down, and people have to say, What is that? Well, I can tell you, I see it happen a lot. It happened to me one time in my whole Christian life. And I'll never forget it. I was in a prayer line at a healing service in Terrytown, New York, many years ago. I don't know if you remember, Pamela. Uh Grace and Vessels were ministry. And I went up there, I was a relatively new Christian, I went up there for prayer. And all I remember is. She looked like she was red to me. And she laid her hand on me and everything looked, everything went red in my eyes. And I was down on the ground. I was in the presence of a holy, righteous God. I could not stand up. I, I just couldn't stand up. So you, you hear these accounts in the Bible where people fall down. That's why. God is so awesome. So powerful. So clean. We are our, our, our own righteous. We can't stand before God.
1: There's no darkness in
0: him, Nothing. but the beauty is he loves us anyway, and 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 invites us to come in to the light. Amen. That's the beauty of this whole relationship with him. He doesn't change; we change. And his blood definitely does cover us. So, verse number five is all about God. If you ever need a fresh revelation of God, study verse number five. God is light. That's all. He's pure. He's holy. And He invites you to come into His world. Hallelujah. So verse number 6. Verse number 6, I would say, describes people. Where it says, if we say, and, and let's be honest, a lot of us say a lot of things. Most of us, including myself, probably say too much, too many things. But if we say, we have fellowship with Him. If we say, you know, we have fellowship with God and God is light, and yet walk in darkness, is that possible? Apparently. Then it says, if that's the case, we lie and we don't practice the truth. The, the Man, talk about going from a mountain to a valley. Verse five, I'm on a mountain. Verse six, I'm "Oh God, help me, Lord, help me." But verse number 6, it describes people. It's one thing uh, when when we say one thing but do another thing. Mm -hmm. James 1.22 says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Mm -hmm. And we here in America, we are so blessed to have the word all the time. You know, I have a new app on my phone, my my latest thing these days, I I have a Christian radio app. And I find Christian preaching, Christian music 24-7. It's on all Time. If you want, you can tap into it. We have easy access to it. I'll go to sleep with it, with my little earphone, and I'll wake up and whatever a couple hours later. And someone's preaching the word of God. I hear the word of God all night long. It's amazing. So some will say, I have fellowship with God, but yet, yet they'll walk, they'll be walking in darkness. Can we think about this for a minute? Some will say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I walk with Jesus. I'm a Christ follower, and, and, and they'll say, I confess with my mouth, right Jesus is Lord. And they'll say, I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead. They'll say all the right thing, but yet their heart is a million miles away from God. And they're walking in darkness. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. Double-minded people, two-faced people. We call them hypocrites. They heard the message, they know the story, and they understand the gospel, and they say, I have fellowship with God, I have fellowship with the light of the world. Yet they're also fellowshipping in darkness. And I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about someone who will deliberately say one thing and do another, and live in the other. I'm not talking about a little slip-up every now and then. I'm I'm talking about someone who deliberately says one thing and practices another thing. They say they're in Oh, yeah, I'm in Christ. I go to church every week. But all during the week, the weekdays, man, they are not in Christ. They are in the flesh. And that, that phrase in Christ, I, I need to preach a sermon on that one of these days. But Paul writes about it. We talked about it on a Wednesday night when he was addressing the Romans. Uh, he's saying hello to different people who are in Christ. You know, and I wonder, like, that, that truth is really important to think about. Are you in Christ? And, and being in church does not necessarily mean that you're in Christ. I shared the other night on Wednesday that I have a friend from college that's a minister in Virginia. And uh, I, I heard a sermon of his recently. He preached from Matthew 7 uh, to his congregation. And I thought, this brother is brave. Maybe I should do that one day. But Matthew 7, Jesus said, he said, you know what? Everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the people said, "But well, Lord, we uh, we uh, we uh, we we perform miracles. We prophesy. We cast out demons in your name. And
1: you know what Jesus said?
0: I could never even do you. Now you get into a whole philosophical theological discussion. Could that happen?" Could someone proclaim Jesus and and do all these things and not even be serving Jesus? I believe they could because God honors the word, not the person, and that's a mystery in a way. But Paul says the same thing in Philippians one that he said, "I don't care why they preach if their motives are bad. I don't care if their motives are bad. What I care about is that they preach the word of God." So this is this is heavy, but there may be some people, some Christians, some, so-called Christians. That are doing things for God. And be, be far away from God. That's what John is saying right here. Say one thing, you do another. And so do you realize what John is saying here? Look over and look at 1 John chapter 2. More specifically, he says in chapter 2 verse 9. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. It goes on to say, you can't say you're in the light and hate your brother. You're in darkness. So you can say whatever you want to say about your relationship with God, but if you dislike, disrespect, hate people, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. The, the main characteristic of Christianity, besides joy, is love. You can't hate people and claim to be walking in the light. It does not work. If this is what i is saying. You will say i, I fellowship with, with God with the light. And you hate your brother. No, 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 no. You may be fooling the pastor. I've been fooled many times. You may fool one another. But you will never fool the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? That's, uh, who is it, Ananias and Sapphira? They, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And God took them out. in the church said it. You may say, you know, I'm walking in the light, but you may be living in immorality. You know, you may be living like with sexual sin in your life, or you may be sneaking alcohol or drugs or whatever you're doing. You may be gambling and wasting your money on stuff. Oh, but I'm a Christian. I'm walking in the light. No, you're not. You say you have fellowship with God, but you're walking in darkness. And John said it. You're lying. That's a lie to say that you're in Christ. You're not in Christ. You know, so you so this is a whole nother thing. And I'll tell you what, for, for many churches, I don't want to say it's hard because it sounds like I'm whining. I'm not whining, but okay. we live in a culture that's gone berserk. Yeah. Yeah. But the culture has influenced the church you say things in church, and some people think that you're crazy by saying things that you say. Like, like marriage is still an institution of God. Yeah. Marriage is still valuable in God's Sex before marriage is wrong and died. This is, people say, What are you crazy? You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't get out. It's legal now. Well, so is alcohol. So you can say whatever. And, and you know, well, the, the, you can say, Oh, I walk in the light. Hey, did you hear about one You're not in the light. Gossip is a poison in many churches. Absolute poison. You, you you can't say, I'm in the way, I fellowship with God, and gossip, and talk bad about people, and put people down. But the thing is, we don't have to settle for verse number 6. We don't have to live in verse number 6. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous." He himself is the propitiation. He's the atonement. He's the sacrifice. Uh, he, he's the one who paid for our sins. Not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world.
1: Amen.
0: So I, I always say this like this. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're in verse number 6, and you say you have fellowship with God, but there's darkness in your life. If you're sincere, and there are many sincere people that are, still have sin in our lives. Let's face it. But they're they're not... They're not rebellious against God. They're sorry. And they're broken before God. I always go back to the example of David, who was a great sinner, a great worshiper, a great sinner, and a great repenter. That's right. (laughs) When he did wrong, he never tried to cover it up. He just confessed it and and God moved on with his life. So, but if you're if you're if you're in verse number six and you have fellowship with God, and yet there's some sin in your life. Hey, no one's going to condemn you for that. It's what you do with it. That's the problem. You can't justify it. But if you want to get the victory, look at verse, verse 8, 9, and 10, just real quickly. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Number one, admit it. Admit you have a problem. Admit whatever it is to God. If you have a close friend, let them know, but mainly to God. And then confess it, verse 1. Confess it to God ask God to forgive you and then verse number 10 admit it again and it never really ends it's not one thing it's going to be another but if the problem is when someone says oh I have fellowship with God and they don't really care they don't care what you think they don't care what I think they're going to get high they're going to, they're going to smoke dope they're going to drink alcohol they're going to have their adulterous affair on the side oh but I'm in the light. no oh, you're not And some people are filled with pride and arrogance. Some people have an ego that's twice the size of this room right here. Oh, I'm in the light. Oh, you're not in the light. You're still full of yourself. And sometimes I I can see, I can see, I can cut it with a knife. Don't tell me you're in the light. If you're in the light, you are humbled before God. You're broken before God. You weep before God. You don't tell everyone how great you are. That's not, that's not and telling everyone how great you are, that's not a mark of Christ. It's a mark of Satan, actually. So, verse number 5 is all about God. Verse number 6 is all about us. And what do we do with that? Well, verse number 7 really kind of ties it together. But, and if we walk in the light, well, we can, we're invited to, Come follow me, Jesus said. Come follow me, walk with me. Jesus, where are you going in John chapter one? Where are you going? Come follow me. I'm not even going to tell you where I'm going, just follow me. I'll show you when you follow me. Little by little. But if if you, if you, if if we walk in the light, oh man, can we just rest there for a second? The light is available for every single one of us. You're not too bad. You're not too far gone. You're not too whatever. The light is for you and me. The invitation is wide open. Come on, come into the light. Come into the light. Jesus came to rescue us from the darkness. Are you sick and tired of the darkness? Because we have to get to that point. Oh, we may be in the light and just have a little bit of darkness. Or are you sick and tired of that little bit of darkness in your life? See, he wants, he wants a clear picture. He he wants that little bit of darkness to be cut out. But if we, if we, uh, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Oh, now, now wait a minute, now there's a little, a little, a little thing here. So I, I have to walk in the light the way Jesus is in the light. I can't walk in the light the way I want to walk in the light? No. We have to walk in the light the way Jesus is in the light. He's the light of the world. So if we want to get this together, we have to walk like Jesus walked.
1: Yeah,
0: First Peter, right First Peter? He said, the, Jesus left an example that we should walk in His steps. I see characteristics of Jesus I don't always see in the church. Of love, respect, honor, humility, compassion. These are all ways that we need to walk. But if we're walking, if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, so if I do it, if you do it, you do it, everybody does it, we're all doing this thing together, hallelujah, we're not perfect, but we're on the way. Because you know you're a sinner, I know I'm a sinner, we know Jesus is the answer, and we're on our way together trying to get better.
1: Right? This is what we do.
0: So if, if we're in that, right? if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Oh, hallelujah. I told you my stories about going to a baseball game with a bunch of guys from a different church long ago. And I knew that this was a time of fellowship. Everyone thought it was time for a baseball game. Forget about, we went to the game. But it was not about the baseball game. A lot of these guys never went to a game, never had a father who loved them enough to take them to a game when they were a kid, never got along with anybody. It was fellowship, because we were bound together in the light of Christ going to a thing, just to do something together. It was a glorious time of fellowship. So if we recognize who we are, and we're all sinners saved by grace, and we're all trying to walk in the light as He is in the light, not in the light that we want to describe or pursue, not our own light, but His light, then we have fellowship. Isn't that glorious? Amen. That's how we have fellowship. Oh, I have nothing in common with that person. What? You're a sinner, they're a sinner, what, what do you want?
1: Yes.
0: You're saved by grace, there's what do you want? You're from over there, there's so what? You know, there's something there's something about fellowship like this that's uniquely special. Yes. But in that setting, we have fellowship with one another. Now, verse number four says when we three and four, when we have that fellowship with one another and with the Father and the Son, that's where our joy is made full, right? We talked about that already, but in verse number 7, when we have this going on, the reality of the blood of Jesus cannot be hidden. We're all together because of what Jesus did for us. Yes. We're all together because of the blood of Jesus.
1: Yes.
0: And we're all cleansed by that blood. I'm cleansed, you're cleansed, no one better than anybody. We're all saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that creates fellowship. Yes. It's glorious. It's glorious.
1: When, 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 when a church does that, man, now we're ready to move. Now we're ready to move.
0: So, let me give you three spiritual truths based on these three scriptures of verse 5, 6, and 7. Here's spiritual truth number one The glorious light is revealed only in Jesus Christ. As I said before, He invites us to walk with Him through this life, into the eternal life. But in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, let me read it to you real quick. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In verse number 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. He's the light of life. He's the true light. And I want to ask you, do you see That's why we say, open the eyes of my heart. Do you see Jesus at work? Because, I'll tell you why. We can have a service, and someone will say to me, man, that was a great service, I felt God. Same service, someone else will say to me, man, I I think we missed God today. Is your cup half full or half empty? What are you looking at? See, but if you have a spiritual eye, you can see God at work. You can see the revealed light of Jesus Christ. Do you see the light in the midst of our culture, in the midst of everything? I mean, so many things are going wrong in our culture. Do you see the light in in the midst of disasters worldwide? Germany's flooded. Fires out west. Haiti has... Political turmoil. Cuba has political turmoil. There's there's unrest everywhere. But can you see the light of Jesus reaching out to those areas of the world? He is doing that. Can you see the Lord working through the pandemic and sicknesses and calamity and social unrest and so forth? Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. He's here. But it's how we you know how we approach that. The big problem with all of that is. Is that although light is available, and light is here, darkness is right around the corner. You don't have to go far to find sinfulness and, and rebellion in our culture. It's all over the place. But 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 has a very important little scripture that I need to address. It says that Satan disguises or transforms himself as, guess what? an angel of, guess what? Not darkness, as an angel of light. Oh my goodness. So so my my interpretation of that is all that glitters is not necessarily gold. All that... there, There are people, things, experiences that appear to be as light and they're not light at all. There are some things that happen that may feel good or may cause us to prosper or cause us to be promoted or to be popular in some way, but they're not really necessarily from God. It's not the light. Right. It may be a trap to bring you down in a different direction. But Jesus is the light. And, and most of us have been here before, but culturally, people will try. Have you ever hear the phrase uh, so-and-so was lit up? I used it earlier. In a, in a positive way, that the angels were lit up because they were in the presence of God. But use use that phrase today. People are talking about getting lit up from alcohol consumption, oh, yeah. or drugs, or, or having a you know that that phrase applies to many different things. Some people have a rush when they gamble. That's
1: right. It's like an adrenaline, a pentrined rush. Chronography, same thing.
0: There's a chemical reaction to things, and we feel lit up. We feel enlightened by these things that are false. And, and on shaky ground. But the world is looking for something to enlighten them. And they're missing Jesus in the whole thing. So these things will maybe cause us to feel good or whatever. But let me tell you, and, and I there's a movement now in the church, not not this church, but in the church at large. Where now that God is legal, let's all go get high. Everything's fine. Can I just say something about it? Well, does it doesn't say anything in the Bible about that? Yes it does. <laughs> and, and Romans 12 3 it says to think soberly. That's right. You can't think soberly if you're drunk or stoned or or whatever, if you're if you're lit up through gambling or pornography or anything else. You can't be sober-minded, you can't be clear-minded right. when those other things are affecting your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he says so if, if can... 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Watch and be sober. Titus chapter 2, the whole thing, at the end of that chapter, young people, old people, children, young, uh, young men, young ladies, old men, old ladies, all be sober-minded. So, we cannot expect, and if this is what people will Oh, I'm walking in the light, pass me the joints. No, no, no! <laughs> it can't work! Oh, I'm in the light of Jesus, uh, pass me the vodka. No, 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 come on. See, see, if that happens, we're, we're slighting God as though He's not enough.
1: That's right.
0: He's not enough, really. He died on the cross for our sin. That's not enough for us. No, I need, I need something extra. I need to watch pornography to get a little rush going in my brain.
1: No, 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 no.
0: I need to gamble, get that rush going, because I get so excited when I gamble. The slot machines.
1: Is Jesus not enough? Mm. He gets yeah. Some people think, well,
0: so, I've seen this. I'm so successful now. God's got to be in it. <laughs> Not necessarily. Maybe. Jesus said in Mark eight thirty-seven, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What good is all your riches going to be when your soul is far, far away from God? Listen, if God blesses you with money, thank Jesus. If God blesses you with popularity, thank Jesus. If God blesses you with finding favor with people at work or whatever, thank the Lord for that. If you've got good health, man, thank God for that. That's a gift from God. If you've got success at work and you're doing okay and you're, you're able to do things, thank God for that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when you leave God out of the equation that it becomes a problem. The glorious light is revealed in Jesus Christ. Remember the story of Palm Sunday when Jesus came riding in. And in that context, you know, everyone's you know, waving and singing and and he comes in and he begins to cry. Think about it, he begins to cry. He says, "Oh Israel, Israel, if only you knew the hour of your visitation." I'm like a, a hen, I wanna gather my chicks and I wanna, I wanna mother you and take care of you, but you miss the hour of visitation. And I'm, I'm afraid that maybe some are, are missing the hour of visitation by going in different directions, different streams to feel right or feel good when Jesus is standing by and saying, hey, what's the matter with me? Am I not enough for you? When well, Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me. Come on, come to me, trust the oh, Lord. You don't need to get high, you don't need to get drunk, you don't need to smoke pot, you don't need pornography, you don't need to gamble, you don't need to do anything. You need to rest and sense my presence with you. You you need me, you don't need all these other things. So, this glorious light is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And he very, very clearly invites every one of us to come into the light. Hallelujah. Number two is this. Number two is this, I want to look at verse number six. The glorious light can absolutely be mishandled. Because, have you ever noticed how many problems are associated with religion and Christianity? The word of God is often manipulated, misinterpreted, misapplied, taken out of context, to cater to someone's particular belief system, whether it's political or social or whatever. So in verse number six, you say you're with God, but you could be in darkness. And I, I think about the American church, I think about the Western world. And think with me about these questions. I've read that in America, somewhere around 60 or 70% of the people claim to be Christians. When I hear here things like that, I always say, This does America look like does it look like that in reality? I mean, is, is this the result of sixty or seventy percent of us being Christian? Is this what we have? I think something's wrong with that, but... So, yeah. So, like, the question, who, who do you say Jesus is? People say they're Christians. Well, oh, he was a great man and a great teacher. When the question is asked, how do you get to heaven? And most people who say, the Christians will say, by being a good person. I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven. If the question is asked, what is Good Friday? Most people say, I don't know what Good Friday is. Do you believe in moral absolutes? No, 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 I believe if it feels good, do it. This is people who say they're Christians. Do you believe in marriage? No, not really. It depends on the people. Do you believe in morals? Each one has their own morals. Do you believe in church? No, the church is corrupt. Do you think God has an influence on what you do with your money? No, no, no. That's only for rich people. Rich people should give. Other people who need to give. Do you believe in the Trinity? I believe in the Trinity. Most, most Christians, most people who say they're Christians say they believe in the Trinity, but they have no idea how to explain it. Do you believe in the Bible as the Word of God, the inspired Word of God? No, no, no. The Bible is a bunch of stories. I take, it, I take what I want. So, we won't turn to this, but in Romans 16, we looked at it on a Wednesday night. After Paul spends a considerable amount of time saying hello to this one and that one, they helped me, they work they with me, hello, hello, greet them for me. After, after like, I don't know, 10, 12 people, he goes down to verse number 17 and he says, he says, now note those people among you. My paraphrase, they're nothing like the people I just named. Note the people among you that cause division and problems that are backbiting, mark them, because they're not really in Christ. Now, this is a little scary. They're in the church, but they're not in Christ. And they're causing problems in the church. So he says, note them, mark them. Because they're really, they're, he said, he uses the phrase, they're filling their own belly. That's a phrase, meaning they're only doing things to satisfy their own ego. So they, they act like, or they appear to be part of the church, but they're not. They're causing so many problems. And avoid them. Avoid them. Like when Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares, and one of the apostles said, Well, uh, do we cut down the, the, the tares, the weeds? And just like the wheat boat. she said, No, no, Let them go. I was on.
1: The glorious light has come. There has light. Praise the
0: Lord. Oh, I don't know where I was. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, so so avoid them. Paul says to Timothy that in the last days, perilous times will come, right? All these terrible things will happen. But he said there's some in the church that have a form of godliness and have no power. Man, I I know a lot of people that have a form of godliness. They have their Bible, and they know certain, certain things. They may even attend church every now and then, but they have no power of the Holy Ghost. And Paul says to Timothy... Avoid them, stay away from them, turn away from those people. So there's gotta be uh, some discernment involved here. So the glorious, the glorious light, uh, if handled properly, uh, can change a life. But unfortunately, people can say they're in Christ and in the light and in God and not be submitted to God. This is the scary part. That's why when you read the epistles, they're so hard-hitting sometimes. I, I would, like For years, I never realized it. they were written to Christian people, so-called Christian people. I thought they were written to people that had no affiliation with God, but they are written to the churches. So in the churches, there are all these different types of people that you know, I don't know if they're going to make it. So if it would have handled properly, in fact, in John 4.23, Jesus said, uh, the time is coming, the time is now... When the Father is seeking people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, like I said, we can fool each other easy, but we can't fool God. My goodness, He knows our spirit. He knows our heart. He knows when we're full
1: of baloney and we're full of nonsense. He knows it all. Let's stand together. We're going to read verse number 7. So if you have
0: your, your app or your Bible, we are going to read it out loud. And so there will probably be some different translations, but that's okay. That might be interesting. Well, I just got really hot here. I mean, I was hot before, but the AC probably works now. It's too late. Okay. 1 Peter 1 1.7. Say it with me. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sin. One more time. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. Every head now for just a minute. We're going to close out here in just a second.
1: The glorious light. The
0: glorious light. is glorious. Hallelujah. Who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't
1: want that?
0: Yes. And Jesus, suffered. John said, the condemnation, the conflict is, the light came and, and people chose darkness over the light. Because if they came to the light, their deeds would be exposed to God. And they wanted to live in secrecy. What a shame. What a shame. Nothing is really hidden from the Lord anyway. Come, back, come back. Is there, is there anyone here today that, you know what, you may say you, you're, you have fellowship with God, but you know in your heart of hearts, you don't really, you're, you're walking in darkness. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you interact with your wife or your kids or your boss or People. You have a mean streak that's not submitted to God. If you say you're in the light. You're not in the light. And it's become a lifestyle to be mean-spirited. And to be filled with ego and pride. And you know what? You might be fooling people, but you're not fooling God. This is a moment of truth. This is, that, this is a real moment of truth. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. We don't have to live there any longer. I, I want to ask the question, is, is there anyone, this is between me and you and the Lord, I just want to see, so I know. But is there anyone here today that's sick and tired of being double-minded? You know? And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do right. And it's, it's, we all do, but, yes. but you're feeling it in yourself right now. I, I, I say I'm in fellowship with God, but yet I have these things. I can't seem to get rid of them out of my mind of my life that it is it's bothering me. And I don't want to settle for it. I know God has more for me. God didn't come to, to free us 99% of the way. He came to free us 100% of the way. All of it. So anyone just raise your hand and I, say, that what I could say, okay. Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, on behalf of everybody, we're
1: tired of playing games with you tired of playing games with the church. We say all these
0: right, good things, all the right things, but yet in our in our heart of hearts, we know there's a cancer in our soul. There's a cancer in our spirit. And Lord, right now, we were proclaiming warfare on that cancer.
1: We ask you, Lord, expose it and cleanse it. Cut it out of us, oh God. We
0: don't want to live a lie anymore. We don't want to live a lie We want to live in freedom and liberty, oh God. So we ask Lord, come into our lives, all of our lives, 100% of us, Lord. Father, if there's there's an ego problem, Lord, break that ego. Lord, we know a characteristic of Christianity is joy, it's love, it's also humility. Lord, let us be characterized by a humble heart, not a proud, egotistical heart, oh God in the name of Jesus. Lord, there may be some that say, we walk in the light, but man, Lord, we're into pornography. We're into gambling. We, we do those scratch tickets, We go out to the casinos. We're blowing money left and right. I, I hide it from my family. I get a rush from it. Lord, I, I can't do it anymore. Forgive me. Cleanse me. But strengthen me, Lord. I don't want to go down that road. Lord Jesus. Lord God, some are saying, oh, I Now that it's legal. Man, I'm living in that stuff. No. Father, Lord, it's a contradiction. Lord, we pray that you would be enough. You are enough. Lord, be enough for all of us. Lord, for those that are hung up on alcohol. Uh, They don't call it spirits for nothing. It's a. Jesus. Lord, some may have a bad temper. Some may have a bad mouth. Some may be rude. Oh, I'm in the light, but man, I'm rude. No, no, Lord, change us. Change us, oh God. And Lord, as, as we're praying this prayer, I'm reminded of verse number 7 that when we walk in the light, as I walk in the light, as people walk in the light, we're walking together realizing we're all nobodies. Who are we? We're nobodies, but we're trying And as we walk together, as you walked, Jesus, as we follow your teachings, as we follow the word of God to the best of our ability, we have fellowship with one another. In in that journey, Lord, we're getting healed. We're getting mature. We're getting stronger. And we have fellowship with you and with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, in that context, we all sense the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, cleansing us, forgiving us, making us pure and holy and righteous and empowering us to live a good and wholesome life for the kingdom of God. Lord, fill us with that today. So, Lord, we thank you for this. Uh, may your glorious light burn in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Does anyone need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If that's you, I'm gonna
1: ask you to come up here and stand here. Right in front. Just stand here to rejoice with you and want to pray
0: for you. Anyone else? Anyone at all? I need Jesus to be my Lord and my
1: Savior. Is there someone at home that
0: you want to write down in the comments? We'll make sure we Later, or you could call our office and send us a note You want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Lord God thank you that we have this word from John Lord I think of John being the beloved apostle the one who put his head on your breast at the last supper yes. the one who was also a son of thunder who said things sometimes that were not said in the right place or the right context. But I think of John as someone that saw you, heard you firsthand. He's proclaiming truth to us, unadulterated truth, the pure gospel. He knew it. He lived it. And so Lord, help us to apply it to our lives today that the glorious light is here for us. Let us jump in, oh God. Yes. Let us, Lord, help us to fight against the darkness that's all around us. Through media, through people, through whatever. Lord, cleanse our heart and let the light purge us. Oh, God. Lord, in the midst of this season of pandemic and uncertainty, we're still reminded, we're still reminded that this could be your time to get your church ready Your return. That's still on the table. We want to be ready for your return, oh God. Let us be living and thriving in that glorious light of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you you for the service today. We pray you all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to dismiss. If anyone needs prayer. I'll be around if you want to pray. Someone had told me, by the way, that uh, a couple of weeks ago when the man was here that was blind, when he was prayed for, it was after the preaching of the word when he received his vision. Not 100%, he probably got about 50%. But there's a scripture that says signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. So, I want to make sure we have an altar time after
1: the preaching of the word if anyone needs a miracle All right. God bless you. Have a good day.